Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. Jamie, I know how you're doing, but how are you doing? <laughs> well, Corey, I, I woke up at like 3 a.m. with a blaring headache, and then I've just been throwing up <laughs> the rest of the day. Um, and it's a little scary only because I had meningitis once, and this is very similar to that oh. feeling. But um, I'm actually like very happy right now because I finally ate something and, um, I, this is the longest I've sat up all day and I feel like, all right. And I feel like this is a nice distraction and I'm excited for, for this episode. So I'm happy to be here with you. So, you know, we're, we're doing it. <laughs> what's, what's new in your world? Nothing new, just same old, same old existing being, you know, just working and, and helping build this podcast. So this has been my life. It's, but it's been a good week Thank so you. far. Um, <laughs> but today on the podcast, we have a special guest. Um, all our guests are special, um, not <laughs> to negate the specialness because we choose quality people. Um, so uh, today's guest, uh, we first saw on TikTok, um, very uh, interesting perspective on uh, divorce and uh, therapy and things learning through that whole process. So um, please welcome to the podcast, Brie Gokoski. Hello. Thank you. It is Hi, so, Brie. it's so nice to have you here. Um, uh, you were one of the first people I know I personally thought of when this podcast began, just following your journey through um, social media. And then you and I are, are internet friends now, because I say that internet, because like you occasionally indulge me in a conversation via Instagram sometimes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of times about movies, I feel like, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> movies. Yeah. My other podcast is all movies. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about your story. I, you, you are, you have this divorce and this breakup and kind of this process you went through, through all of that. So let's kind of just start wherever you want to start with this conversation. I got married very young. Um, I was engaged at 19 and then married at 20. Um, and we really dated for not very long. Um, I, you know, thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I had it all figured out. Um, and life hit pretty quickly, you know, um, mm -hmm. you don't realize that when you're like, you know, we're just going to get married. It's everything's going to be perfect. And then, you know, you have to go to real life and, um, you have to be a grown up fast. Um, so we were actually married for nine years. It was a very long time um, that I put up with kind of a lot, you know, um, looking back, I'm like, that, that was a long time to be, yeah. you know, treated so poorly. But I, I mean, I think it all happened exactly as it was supposed to in the time the time it was supposed to happen um so one thing i know about you um is that you're a christian and yeah. I, I know your faith is a big part of your life so i know and i and did you grow up in the church yeah um i have been a member of my church my entire life and it is a huge part of my life and me and um and it was a big part into why my marriage lasted so long um which I've had to wrestle with, um, feeling like if I didn't have this belief in, like, I didn't believe in divorce basically, mm -hmm. um, because I, you know, it's, 
marriage is eternal and you stick with your partner. And so, um, and I still believe all those things. I think it's, you know, I think most people can, if they've loved each other at one point should be able to figure it out and come together. Um, but I, I honestly believe this was also divinely inspired in that I needed this experience to understand that like sometimes divorce makes sense and it actually is the best option um, because I just was so, it was not something I was ever going to consider, which is why I didn't. Like my ex was the one that um, ended it, even though I was like, what? <laughs> like you're ending it? Oh, okay. You know, like I was the one holding everything together and it was like, what are you going to do without me? You know? Um, but yeah, so that was just kind of like a, this thing I had to wrestle with this something that was so special to me and had been my entire life and being like, oh, okay, I had misinterpreted that, you know, and in some scenarios, it really is best for two people to go separate ways. And um, that's what ended up happening here. Um, so it's been an interesting recreation of things that I thought I knew about my faith or, you know, and having to kind of readjust and feeling like in a lot of ways, God is like, oh, you think things are one way and I have to show you how I actually see them and how I actually see you and the plan I have for you, you know? So it's been interesting, I think. Oh yeah. Well, just, um, you know, like hearing, hearing what you're saying, um, I, I had an ex-boyfriend who, uh, was a Jehovah's witness and he got married very young because, you know, he, yeah was in love and wanted to be with his his person and then over time he started to learn more things about his faith and um you know realizing the same exact kinds of of things of you know I, things aren't exactly the way i perceive them mm -hmm. um are you still feeling um like that's hard for you or are you are you happy that that your your perception has changed um like how what kind of feelings have you know came with with that realization yeah um I mean I think so for me it was that like I was through growing up in the church was kind of like trained and I think we're moving away from this a little bit and how we talk to young girls um when it comes to teaching them in the gospel but um I was really just drilled in, you know, you get married and you have kids. And I also struggled with infertility for a long time. And so it was like, I, you know, I did what I was supposed to do in getting married and then wasn't having kids. And so I was, I, I honestly believe it was both of these experiences have been that um, I thought my identity and my worth was based in being married and having children. And for me, it was God saying, no, I, you are enough exactly as you are. And I, and I need you to know that. And so I, I guess, I mean, for a lot of people, I think I get people questioning, like, you know, how is everything you've been through? You still remain, you know, in your faith, you still live the life that, you know, I always imagined I would be living. And it's like, because my relationship with God and how I believe he's teaching me is just so incredibly personal. And it's, I kind of see it aside from all of the cultural things, I guess, you know, where it's like, I can look back and see like, okay, mistakes were made 
in how I perceived my worth as a woman and what that meant um, in getting married and having children. Um, and I had to learn that God doesn't see me that way. God just sees me as me and has, has found ways to teach me that I am enough just as me, you know? I was going to say too, you know, I, I grew up in the church too. And um, it's interesting because you have all these expectations about yourself and not, not just um, with your romantic identity, but who you are as a person, you know, and obviously um, there's this perception, unfortunately, not all churches about a woman, you know, should be like you said, a wife, a mother should be, you know, this and this and this and be a Proverbs 31 woman, you know, and all these things that really, can put a lot of pressure on you. And I think about how many of my friends who, um, who are Christians, a lot of them got married really young. They got married in college or after their first, you know, like year in college, some of them married their high school sweethearts, you know, and um, it's, it's a really rude awakening sometimes when you get older and then you start to realize, you know, your life and what you wanted for yourself, because um, even if you don't say it, I think in the, the world warps you and there's kind of this deconstruction of your faith and starting to, you know, pull apart because you're no longer living under your parents' house and, you know, going to church because, you know, they say you have to or whatever. And it's, you know, why do I go to this church still? You know, you're, you're building your own life with your significant other, with your spouse. And all these things are, you know, it, there, there's little, all sorts of things that really can just open your eyes and test you and, and kind of just help you, you gain more, um, more insight and perceptions to who you are as a person. I would, that, that was my long way of saying there's a lot happening with, with religion and how it plays into your relationships and everything. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, a big part of it was that I didn't really inquire well when I was dating, you know, like mm -hmm. I just was like, well, I, I feel like I'm in love and I think we're on the same page and so it was like, so what else is there? You know, like it, I was just too young to understand that time and dating is vital to really getting, making sure that you know this person and that you're ready to spend your life with them. I just was young and, you know, naive and immature and was just like, well, everything will work out. And, you know, and, um, and for many of my friends, it did, you know, I just ended up you know, not working for me, um, just being a, a really different story. But um, was he your first boyfriend? No. Okay. I just had curious. a lot of manipulation in dating as a teen. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, yeah, he was my first, one of my first serious boyfriends in college. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, let, let's keep talking about kind of when, so you, you get married uh to to know your now ex-husband and you've been together for a while so let's kind of start to talk about um maybe i i guess the like the dissolution of, of when things started happening and maybe kind of the grief you were going through as you started to see like the relationship start to come to its end yeah um so i understood it to start to fall apart um, at a certain time but didn't realize things were happening before that until like like now I know them now but um so yeah there was we had a really rough year um in like year six of us being married there was just a lot of dishonesty I guess I would say um like 
about things that didn't even make sense to be dishonest about. Um, and it just became a pattern of kind of lie after lie after lie to the point where it was like, um, I think he really believed a lot of those lies. Um, and I of course believed him because I, I just am honest to a fault and I, I don't, it does not occur to me to lie about things. And I couldn't, even if I wanted to, you know, like even when somebody's like, like playing a short little prank, I can't lie. Like I have to tell them immediately. Like it's so, I just assume, you know, if someone's telling me something that they must be telling the truth. Um, Nothing so wrong that with year, that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, that year, some truths had come out about some of his behavior and it was more of like a faith-based thing. Um, it wasn't like infidelity yet, um, but it was more like things he was doing that were outside of what we do as members of our church. And so that was, it was kind of like, okay, this is confusing because, you know, we are both members of this church and we, and we live a certain lifestyle. And so it's like, okay, now I'm kind of having to wrap my head around, is this the lifestyle you want to live now? And if it is, what does that mean? Um, but I just kept getting told that it wasn't like that the behavior was stopping. And so I was like, okay, well then I will assume that it's stopping, you know, and, um, it just never did. Um, so I would continue to find out that the behavior was continuing and I was just still being lied to about it. Um, and then, so later that year, um, is when I first found out that, um, infidelity was occurring. Um, and I don't know, I guess through all of this, it was, the grief was that I was completely isolated. Like I was so ashamed, I guess, or just embarrassed that this was happening and not knowing how to handle it, that I just went inside myself. I didn't talk to anyone about it. Um, I kind of told my parents a little bit, but under the pretense that it was like, you do nothing and you say nothing and you act like nothing is wrong. Um, and then I, I kind of tried to talk to my in-laws when I found out that some infidelity was going on. And the only thing I've got, and I love them. I have no, no hard feelings toward them. They are completely aside from my husband's, my ex-husband's decisions. But the only response I got was like, oh, that doesn't really sound like him. And so it was just, you know, and my ex downplayed it to where it was like, that was nothing. Nothing has happened. You know, it's not a big deal. Just forget about it. So we did I mean, I just had to forget about it. Like we talked about it once and then nothing was said again. And I was just supposed to trust him and have no issues and have no questions. Um, and so I just completely went inside myself and just bottled, bottled, bottled until I, you know, I've, I got into therapy. I've had, I mean, I've been in therapy in and out for many, many years. So that has been a lifesaver because I was, finally, you know, I'm in a safer space where I feel like I can actually unload all of that on somebody and not have it confront me again, you know, like at family dinners or something. Um, Which is so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know? yeah, but I mean, like, that's my own thing though. Like that's my own insecurities with being vulnerable with people is that like, I don't want it to come back to me. I need to be okay with that. And I'm 
still working on that. Um, I think going for in, through infertility has a lot to do with that because people think it's okay to talk to you about that at any time, which is the weirdest thing to me, just coming up to you and talking to you about sex and how you can't have babies. And I'm like, and so I have a lot of anxiety surrounding people just talking to me about things that maybe I'm not ready to talk about or want to talk to them about. And so I think that was why I just bottled, bottled, bottled everything that was happening in my marriage. Um, and sometimes I would, the other thing was that I would sometimes open up to friends and I would see, like they would reflect back to me that this was bad. Like what I was living in my marriage wasn't okay. And I wasn't really willing to accept that. Like I was afraid of that because I wasn't ever going to leave. And I just believed like whatever happens in my marriage, I have to deal with. So I would pull it all back in because I didn't want to have to confront like, oh, this is as bad as I think it is, or maybe even worse than I think it is. You know, like I was just normalizing so much and, you know, to see the look in my friend's eyes, like, oh, that's not normal. And so I would be like, oh, okay, never mind, Forget about that. So it was just really hard for me to open up to anyone. Uh, you're, you're living with this awareness that things in your marriage are not what they're supposed to be. Um, so you're also dealing with, with infertility, you know, and uh, in this process, I'm are, are you at any point blaming yourself? I mean, I've, obviously you kind of talked about this earlier. You alluded to this a little bit with your perception of, of, of what you should have been as a wife and a mother and everything, but um, were you really hard on yourself besides the internalization? I mean, were you looking for everything he was doing wrong as a response to you being somehow like deficient as a person or as a, as a wife or whatever? I don't know. Honestly, the thing was, I was also going through the infertility by myself. My ex really wasn't involved. Um, obviously he wasn't like really in, he didn't want to be with me because he consistently had relationships. And so of course he wouldn't be really intrigued in trying to have a child together. Um, and so I really did all of that, like going to doctors and all of that stuff and stressing over, you know, negative pregnancy tests after negative pregnancy tests. It was really all alone. Um, and I, I think I really just made myself believe that this was what marriage was. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how I did that, how I really allowed myself to believe that having a partner that wasn't involved in my life at all was okay. But I think it was just the only way for me to keep going and to cope with that that it was like, and I'm also just very independent. And so there was a side of me that was like, well, I just am independent. We're both independent. So I, it's actually better this way to not, you know, have so much influence of the other person, you know, like I like doing things on my own and making my own decisions. And so I don't know, I just really normalize things that weren't normal, but I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that I really blamed myself for his infidelity it mostly was just like <laughs> what do you want you know like i'm right. really doing everything and i've been nothing but loyal to you and encouraging you and moving for you for your career and like so i just felt like i was like i don't know what else you might want or that you're not getting here you know um was he um you know 
if this is like too intrusive, but was he was he diagnosed with like you know narcissistic personality disorder or anything like that? Um, I mean he he would never go to anything like that to get diagnosed. Um, sure. But I, after talking to lots of people, there was a lot of narcissistic tendencies, but I, I worry throwing that word around, you know, just because absolutely it's a hot, it's a label and it's a, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely some instances where I'm like, oh, that's what that was. Or just like the fact that I still don't believe he thinks he ever did anything wrong. I've never been apologized to. And, and yeah. that I think was a big part of the grief once everything finally ended was I had to be okay or figure out moving on without ever being validated in what was done, you know, in my marriage that I was like, he doesn't even think he's done anything wrong. Absolutely. He just thinks like we didn't work out and we both went our separate ways. I'm like that is not right. Not what no, right. So yeah. you you went through this phase where you were where you just accepting of what was happening in your life. You go, okay, this is this is what my marriage is. I'm not going to back down. You know, I can't do that. Um, was uh, were were you able to grieve even through that process though of of trying of accepting it for lack of a better word, or did the grief come later? No, I honestly think I did. I wasn't able to, I, well, and a lot of it, I didn't even know was going on because I was just constantly being lied to. And so I thought things were good, honestly, like in the bad times. Yeah, it was bad, but then it would get good. And, you know, we bought a house together and we got a dog. And and so I thought things were good. And I just was like, we're both just independent. We have, you know, this is how our marriage is. And um, the year that, so that last year before everything fell apart um there was a lot of distance between the two of us like I was noticing similar patterns like it felt the same as that year in year six of our marriage that I was like when he was first well the first time I found out that he was being unfaithful um I was feeling that distance again but I didn't know how to approach it and I felt like I felt pulled to start school again. Um, I have, I had my associate's degree, but didn't have a bachelor's. And I just had this feeling one day that I needed to go back to school. And I was like, that's weird because we're trying to have kids and that's not what I thought was going to be happening right now, but okay, I'll, you know, do school online and that I feel good about that. Um, and six months later, after I had that feeling was when he ended everything. Um, But no, I honestly feel like I wasn't able to really confront any grief about my marriage until after everything ended. And what's interesting is that when it ended, I was the one that started the conversation, which is funny, but um, he, you know, basically just said like, I don't love you. I don't want to be with you anymore. And the first feeling I thought I, I had come over me was relief. Like, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to carry all of this anymore and pretend like any of this is normal. And I feel like that relief is what allowed me, led me into the grief that I was going to be experiencing for the next six months to a year and and on was that it was like, you can actually confront all of this stuff now. Like none of this has been normal. None of this has been okay. 
and you've been pretending that it's been okay. And now you can release it and we can really confront all of it, you know? Hallelujah. <laughs> no, that, that's amazing. And, and I'm sure like it, and once you got to that point, I'm sure it was like the floodgates were open and the grief, you're just able to, to feel everything you needed to for better or for worse. I'm sure there was a lot of tears involved. I'm sure there's a lot of anger. And Yeah, I really wasn't prepared for that, honestly, for the grief. I mean, it wasn't, obviously the relief was that I, I was being held down by this, this relationship, but the, the grief came with losing everything. Like I picked up and moved. I went, I moved home with my parents who lived four hours away. So I left my home that I had created that I loved. And I had put so much of my heart and soul into, I left my dog that I, you know, had come to love and see as my child basically i left the girl that i had nannied for five years since she was two months old and i left my community my church and people that i went to church with like i left it wasn't just that my marriage was ending it was that like my entire life had flipped upside down and i am such a creature of habit and routine and I make my home a, my safe space. And to have that all of a sudden just ripped from me. Like I came to my parents' house. I didn't even have anywhere to sleep. Like I was on the couch, you know, like to go from that, having everything together that I had created to nothing was, you know, crying in the bath, crying in the shower, you know, for hours type of grief. Um, and that was before I even knew really what was going on after I left, you know, like I didn't realize my, my ex was leaving me for someone. Um, he had not made that clear. And I, I was just so caught up in my own stuff and like, what am I going to do? And what does this mean now that I wasn't thinking like that he was going to have somebody coming to my house the next day, oh, God, you know? Oh God, um, what? Yeah. So luckily I didn't actually find that out for another month. Um, I was, and what's so interesting about this entire experience is that I honestly and truly believe everything I found out, like all the truth that has surfaced has come exactly when I was able to take in that truth. So I, it was like a month after we'd separated, I'd been home. Um, I was, I was actually doing really well. Like, I, I mean, I was still grieving a lot, but I had even thought to myself, like, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Like this is tough, but I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm in school. I found another nanny job here. Like I was loving being with my siblings, like being surrounded by my family was wonderful. And I was like, I'm really doing okay. And then literally like the next day is when a friend texted me and said, Hey, um, we saw him with a girl at the store or something. And so it was just like another crash like I I just could not believe you know that this that this was his the behavior that this was what was happening I don't know I was just um a huge w wave of grief you know that I now had to confront um and obviously it came like when I was ready to confront it um but again I I mean I I was still told, I, I mean, I confronted him and it was like, no, I'm not dating anyone. And I don't know. It's, it, I was just still continually lied to. I've never had the whole story. I've gathered it from 
things that I've seen on the internet. Um, but again, I, I, I was just still, even after the fact lied to over and over again. And, um, so unfair. So one thing, one thing I've noticed about you and I, I mean, this, and this is great is because I've, one thing I see with you on your social presence is like, you're very close to your family. Like you just, you all, you, your siblings like are your best friends. And I, I like that. It seems like that way, at least. So I'm guessing in addition to therapy, just being able to have your family um, as a support system through all that with you has probably been really helpful. No. Yeah. It's um, I mean, it's totally changed how it all went down. Like having my siblings close say like it was, a huge reason why a lot of the healing was able to come maybe quicker than normal because I was just, so I have a lot of siblings. So I have, um, I'm the oldest of seven, but we have at the time when I came home, four of them were here. So three were still in high school. And then my brother was, um, had just come home from a church mission and was like figuring out school and stuff. And so we were all just kind of like thrown in together and it, it allowed me, I mean, they make me laugh and it, it allowed me to not just go into myself and like never get out of bed. And, you know, um, and then of course my parents have been incredibly supportive and, and constantly just like, you can be here as long as you need. And we are, you know, supportive of you. At- what I love too, though, is how, I mean, you felt so isolated for so long and I'm, and, and it wasn't like you can ever talk to your family or, be with them or whatever yeah. but but it was able to like flip it on its own you know and take away all that loneliness and that isolation you felt and put you back into a place where you feel love again um where you feel support where you you get all that all that that good family vibes back yeah into- no 100 it was really strange to come here and realize like okay i don't have to hide anything anymore and like slowly I would kind of start to tell them some things. And every time I did, it would always, I, I was always surprised by people's reactions because I just let it be normal and was just was like not phased by any of it. But to have my parents both be like, oh, like when I would say things that had happened or things that he had done or that I had put up with and they would just like have that like sick to their stomach look. And it was like, oh, this is so nice to be able to actually just tell the truth of what's been going on and have somebody validate that and be like, that wasn't okay. And I'm glad that you're out of it, but I'm so sorry you had to go through it, you know? Exactly, exactly. I'm so glad to hear that this has been your experience because, you know, that's not always everybody's experience when they have to go back and live with their parents, you know? Yeah, no, I know. It can be very, very hard. And I just love to hear that you had that support and, you know, it's, it's very heartwarming. <laughs> let's, let's talk a bit about, so you moving forward, like, like what's, what's pushing you, what's driving you to, to keep healing, to keep taking what have, what happened to you and, and. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I feel like I am currently in a new wave of confronting a lot of healing and a lot of it I'm realizing is stuff that wasn't just from my marriage is stuff like from since I was a kid that I didn't realize I was still carrying. Um, I'm at a place where like, I feel like, or I know I've done all of the healing I can do Mm -hmm. alone and I am dating and it has been absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Like (laughs) 
so incredibly hard, like way harder than I thought, but it's been important for me to not run away from that, to not run away from like, Ooh, this is difficult. And I, I need to heal from this. Um, and I feel really lucky to have currently be with somebody that is really patient and understanding and Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, willing to walk through all of that healing with me. Um, but it's, you know, it's scary when you realize like, Oh, that's, that's some childhood shit that I haven't (laughs) gone through, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. But, um, I mean, I guess my motivation now is just like, I've learned so much in school. So I'm, I'm close to finishing my degree in marriage and family. So going through divorce, that was like, yeah, it was really interesting because I was learning so much about how to make this not happen again, basically like what I wish I had had before, um, how to create the, the family and the relationship that I really want. And so I feel like I just have so many more tools to use now. Like I just feel a lot more prepared for dating. It's going to be, it is totally different than it was when I was 19, you know? Um, And I feel also because I'm 31 now, I have a little more of a handle of like who I am, what I believe, what I want. And so at this point, I'm just trying to kind of push through it's like when, you know, like you have your comfort zone, like I'm in my comfort zone right now and I'm having to push out of it because we don't grow in our comfort zone. Like we have to push through. And, um, so to get all of the things that I want in life, I have to get out of my comfort zone. And it's been a lot of work, a lot of work. Well, I've only ever seen this, this side of, of Brie because I, we, we discovered you through social media and through kind of this journey you're on right now, but um, it's, it's so inspiring and so cool to see you um, just self-actualize and um, share your, share like what, what you've, what you're going through and how you're overcoming it um, on social media. And I, I think I, the, the person I'm seeing now on the screen is, is awesome. Like I'm just, I'm here for it all the ways. So one thing um, we always do on the podcast, we have this, this um, phrase, we, we say grief is, and we have our guests finish the sentence. It can be a single word. It can be a, a few words. It can be whatever you want. So if you were going to say grief is, how would you finish that? For me, grief is heavy. Like it is like an actual weight on my chest. But I, with that, I think it's so important though. Like it is unavoidable. And I guess it's that the growth that comes through moving through real grief is worth it, is worth all of that heavy lifting. Like actually moving through it. I've had so much more growth in the last two years with all of the grief even aside from my divorce, I've had two of my grandmothers pass, um, you know, sibling things like there's just, I mean, we all have grief sprinkled in, you know, all of our lives in the pandemic. Like a lot of us are experiencing grief in the last year. And I just have realized like moving through that grief is where healing comes. 
I love that. That's that was great. You did that was that was beautiful. So, uh, well, first off, I'm gonna be good talk to you because you're you're an artist, and actually, I haven't put them on this wall yet, but I have two of your prints. Oh, I've I have two of them because you're just that good. Um, <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so what kinds of stuff um, are you working on? What kinds of stuff do you want us to to hype up for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I just opened. So I make dot collages. Um, I mean, I, go, I this is a podcast, so they can't see it if I show going on. Um, so I just opened dot collages again. Uh, I haven't done them for like a year or so with school and working part time. I just didn't have the time to do it. Um, so I'm trying I'm testing out the waters of opening them up again. Um, but yeah, I mean, you I mean, I mostly just post on Instagram and TikTok sometimes. My prints are on Society6, so they just sit there and whenever people want them, they can go grab them, but yeah. Bree, thank you so much for being here today. It was uh, great to hear your story. Uh, uh, I, I love a good overcoming the obstacle story and um, just to, to get to know you and, and hear your story about where you were and where you are now, Absolutely. It's, it's so great. Of yeah. Course. Thank you for having me. I don't remember a single thing I said. But... <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, the biggest part of your message that was really sticking with me is encouraging people to, to confront their grief, to, 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 to go through it and, and grow. And I totally yeah. agree with you. Um, you know, we're scared to have those uncomfortable feelings, mm-hmm. but um, if we don't have them, it just makes things worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the, the sitting with the, the internalizing things is so much worse than, than the actual grief process. And it's not easy, of course, but, um, it, it look at, look at all the doors that opened for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, and you really listened to your heart and said, Oh, I, I feel this calling. I want to go back to school. I want to do this. And you listen to your heart, you know, after all those, all that time of, of, you know, being, mistreated and 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 abused frankly and so you know it's it's awesome I feel like that's why because I get a lot of people you know commenting like oh you're so transparent online or I love that you're so vulnerable and I'm like yeah I mean there's a lot I don't share though like you're not hearing everything but it's I I feel like it is important for me to share you know a lot of what I've gone through with grief and starting over because that would have maybe made the difference for me if I had been able to see somebody um, that I was following online and see their content talking about this, like maybe I would have taken better care of myself. That's one thing I really struggle with. Like I, I did what I could do. I try, you know, I can't look at past me and be like, why didn't you do this? You know, Um, because I was the one that was being abused and manipulated, but I just wish looking back that I would have stood up for myself, that I would have taken care of myself and left, but I didn't. And it, I mean, it all happened the way it was supposed to happen, but I'm like, if even one person, you know, sees my content and is willing to, to look at their life and confront treatment from a partner or anyone, a family member, a, a boss or something like, I hope that it does, you know, I hope that it allows them to work through being in a scenario that is not healthy for them, that it's not taking care of them and not be so afraid of walking through that grief and starting over 
and what that might look like because it's possible and you really we can do it. <laughs> yes. Well, what else I love too is um, one thing we haven't really ever talked about on the podcast is just the idea that grief comes in love, you know, phases, you know, so you talked about how this, you had this part of your life, you know, where, you know, you had to be single to grieve a certain way. And now there's the next phase. It's kind of like, not that your grief is leveling up, but you know, your mental health is leveling up. No, for sure. I mean, that's the thing is like, I have to remember and remind myself that I, some days something will come up and I'll be like, oh, that still hurts. Like that's still, I'm still sensitive and, and healing from that. And um, I guess I didn't bring up. So a couple months ago, I had a woman message me. She'd seen one of my TikTok videos that had gotten a lot of views. And she was like, um, she basically confessed a relationship that she had with my ex that I didn't know about, like that wow. had occurred long before I knew infidelity was going on. And so it was like, it had already been at that point, two years since we had separated. And it was like this, okay, a new wave of healing now, you know, like where I had to remind myself, okay, I'm not in that same place. I'm not in the same place I was two years ago when we first separated, but what does this mean now? Like, how do I heal from this now in understanding that really I was like our marriage was kind of a joke to him the entire time, mm. you know, and having to confront that. I just think we kind of hope that we can just tie up grief with a bow and place it on the shelf and say, that was fun. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I learned a lot through that. It's, it's an ongoing process and we have to be patient with ourselves and understand that some days things are going to creep up again. And we're going to be like, wait, I thought I healed from that, but we just can't, I mean, no shame. We just have to approach it Absolutely. with, for whatever reason, I'm feeling the grief of that right now. And it's okay. I can keep walking through it like I have been. Yep. Well, and that's why we have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I, that's true though, because grief really is at the heart of it. I mean, it's not something, it's not a once and done, one and done kind of deal. You know, it's something that you have to process and live with and granted um one of our guests recently said it becomes background pain but the process of grieving is really to give you tools to be able to come to combat those those emotions those feelings when they when they resurge so yeah for sure because it was like when i when that woman messaged me I felt all of the same things I felt those first couple weeks after moving back home and being separated. Mm -hmm. Like, and I had to be like, wait, 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 wait. We're not still there anymore. Like, it's okay. My body, it was like kind of a trauma response where my body Absolutely. was like, oh, I'm, I have to feel all of this again. And I, and I was proud of myself for being like, no, I'm not still in that place. Like I really have worked through all of this, but that doesn't mean this doesn't mean something, you know, and what does that mean? And how do I respond to this? And, and I, I actually, I felt like it was such a good experience for me because I felt like I could actually see the growth that I had made in the way that I was able to respond to it and move forward from it. And it was like, I don't know, it was weird. It was like, okay, you're doing it. <laughs> I'm proud of you too. That's like, yeah. I mean, and, and this is exactly why like this you know, we do this and this is why, you know, the podcast is so important. These little tidbits that like, you know, yes, we've all experienced little bits of grief here and there, but if you haven't experienced such a 
you know, a big loss, you may not know what to expect or, you know, that you do grow and you do get stronger and better. And like, it honestly, you know, that's something that I've seen a lot, like, you know, when talking to you and um, we've had a couple other guests recently where it's like, the best part of their grief is that they found themselves and like, that's beautiful. So yay, (laughs) yay for you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Brie, thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us for having this conversation. Um, Just a really special person. And I, I mean that like, not in a condescending way. I mean, like, like you're just a very cool person. I'm glad I, I'm glad I know you and I'm glad you're here on the podcast talking with us. So thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, have great. a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. You know where to find us. <laughs> yes. If you, uh, you want to send us any notes, um, any kind of, you know, tidbits you've learned yourself. Um, you can always email us at emotional duct tape podcast at gmail or is it just emotional duct tape at gmail (laughs) just emotional duct tape at gmail (laughs) okay we'll talk to you later